Good Tuesday morning. We are learning more about a frightening attack on a crowded flight. And the heroes who stepped in to help stop it. It's March the 7th. This is Today. Chaos on a united plane caught on camera. And I will kill every man on this plane. A man attempting to stab a flight attendant and open the emergency door mid-flight. This morning, the passengers who raced into action to help subdue him as the FAA calls an emergency meeting to address a wave of alarming airline incidents. We'll ask Captain Sully Sullenberger what needs to be done to keep all passengers safe. Wrong place, wrong time. The FBI joins the desperate search for four Americans kidnapped in Mexico near the U.S. border. New details emerging on their abduction, what they were doing there, and the race to find them. Mounting tension, top leaders in China issuing a rare and direct warning to the U.S., accusing the White House of trying to suppress their country and risking conflict because of it. We'll have the very latest. The Big Dig, emergency crews now going door to door to reach Snowden residents in California. It feels like an apocalyptic movie. While millions brace for the next storm, targeting a 1,500-mile path from the Dakotas all the way to New England. We'll have your full forecast. All that plus vacation nation. Spring break season is here. Millions of Americans gearing up to get away. This morning, our first-hand look at what is being done in the hot spots of Florida to handle what could be record crowds. And he's our jam. Jimmy Fallon pays a visit to Studio 1A to get you ready for the return of his star-studded musical game show. The song song as an opera. As he trades tonight for today, Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cuppy. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning. Good to see you. We're happy that you're with us on this Tuesday morning. We know it's going to be a good morning when Jimmy stops by. I can't believe he's waking up so early for us. I know. It's love right there. We're going to see him in a bit. We have a busy morning, including what's shaping up to be the next massive winter storm. Get this, an additional three feet of snow possible in already hard-hit parts of California. And it comes as rescue crews are doing everything they can to reach residents stranded behind snow drifts up to nine feet high. We're going to have the latest and also your forecast details. Yeah, but let's get started with that shocking footage. A passenger on a United flight trying to open an emergency door mid-flight, then attacking a flight attendant when he was confronted. It's just the latest in a series of incidents shining a spotlight on airline safety. NBC's Emily Aketa is here with new details. Hey, Emily, good morning. Good morning. The alarming incident played out just minutes before the plane was set to land in Boston. Federal prosecutors say that passenger repeatedly tried to stab a flight attendant, but thankfully some fast-acting passengers and crew members jumped in to stop him. This morning, a United Airlines passenger is facing federal charges following a terrifying incident on board a Boston-bound flight. I will kill every man on this plane. According to court documents, about 45 minutes before landing the cross-country trip from Los Angeles, the flight crew was notified that an emergency exit door on the plane had been disarmed. A flight attendant discovered the door's handle had been moved out of the fully locked position. Another flight attendant reporting 33-year-old Francisco Torres had been near the door, leading the crew to believe he had tampered with it. When confronted, Torres allegedly responded, asking if there were cameras to prove it. 
Witnesses say that's when he got out of his seat, approached two flight attendants in the aisle, and allegedly attempted to stab one of them in the neck three times with a broken metal spoon. We started hearing his voice get louder and louder. He was clearly agitated. Passengers on board the plane, seen in this video shared by witness Lisa Olson, tackled and restrained the suspect. There were probably four or five men that... um, restrained him on the ground. Torres later admitting to investigators he knew if he opened the door, many people would die. Also claiming self-defense during the altercation, saying he made the weapon on board in the bathroom. Just how unusual is this degree of violence? It's extraordinarily unusual, but it doesn't take that much to take a lot of everyday items and turn them into weapons. It comes as we're learning new details about Torres. In 2015, he was ordered by a court to undergo a psychiatric evaluation, according to a lawsuit he filed against a hospital years later, in which he alleged he was misdiagnosed with a mental health disorder. In that suit, Torres, who represented himself, sought $50 billion and a license to carry and use, if necessary, any type concealed or unconcealed firearms and explosives on any commercial transports. The case was later dismissed. United Airlines says it has zero tolerance for any type of violence on our flights, adding this customer will be banned from flying on United pending an investigation. Emily, this was a very long flight. He behaved this way that we saw on camera 45 minutes before landing. Any indication of what was happening before that? So even before this five and a half hour flight took off, Torres appeared to show some kind of interest in the emergency exit door. Investigators say he actually asked one of his fellow passengers about where the door handle was located on the safety car during the initial safety briefing. He's doing court later this week. If convicted, he could face up to life in prison. All right, Emily, thank you so much. And we're going to have a lot more on the state of our aviation safety in our next half hour. We'll have Captain Sully Sullenberger. He'll join us live. In the meantime, the search is in intensifying this morning for four Americans kidnapped in a Mexican border city. The FBI now offering a reward for any information leading to their return. NBC's Morgan Chesky's in Brownsville, Texas, near the southern border. Morgan, good morning. Savannah, good morning. And authorities say this may all be a horrific case of mistaken identity. Officials say this group of four was going from here in Brownsville across the bridge into Matamoros so one of the women could get a cosmetic procedure. Instead, they ended up driving right into the middle of a gunfight that ended in a terrifying kidnapping, part of which was caught on camera. Four Americans kidnapped in a Mexican border city. And this morning, a law enforcement official tells NBC News this video captures part of the horrifying attack. In it, you see a gunman dragging people to a white pickup truck in Matamoros, Mexico, after authorities say the van carrying four U.S. citizens was caught in the crossfire of a deadly shootout. Family identified one of those victims as Latavia Washington McGee, sharing the group rented a van to drive from South Carolina to Brownsville, Texas. The plan? Crossover for a cosmetic surgery. Zalandria Brown told the Associated Press that her younger brother, Zendel Brown, is also one of the victims. Now the whereabouts of all four, unknown. The U.S. State Department placing both the city of Matamoros and the Mexican state of Tamaulipas under a level four travel warning since October, citing crime and kidnapping as reasons to avoid travel entirely. It's devolved over the years to the point now where there is uh, increasing drug-related violence, criminal organizations seeking to kidnap for ransom. Following two Tamaulipas shootings that closed schools, the State Department issued a warning reminder just hours before the kidnapping took place. This isn't an isolated situation. 
Congressman Vicente Gonzalez, whose district includes Brownsville, calls this part of a larger trend towards cartel violence. What are you telling your constituents in light of this recent kidnapping? I'm telling them to be very careful uh, in traveling across the border. In Washington, the White House stressing they're following the situation closely. Our thoughts are with the families of these individuals, and we stand ready to provide all appropriate consular assistance. A U.S. official tells NBC authorities are concerned about the group's well-being, since videos appear to show some of them severely wounded. It's a race to identify them so that we can establish contact and maybe begin negotiations here. Morgan, what are investigators looking for as they're searching for this group? What kind of clues? Yeah, Savannah, we do know the FBI says they're working hand in hand with Mexican authorities to try to track down the culprits and find these victims. We did see a large Mexican military response to the site of this terrible crime. We're told investigators were processing the vehicles there, trying to obtain fingerprints and DNA samples, in addition to gathering as much surveillance video as possible in hopes of tracking these people down. The Mexican president saying yesterday he does believe... This will be resolved. Mm. Savannah? Well, these are key moments. Morgan, thank you very much. Let's turn now to those warnings aimed at the White House from top leaders in China, including its president. And they are ratcheting up the tensions between the two nations amid growing concern about China's potential involvement in the war in Ukraine. NBC's Molly Hunter has that story with us. And Molly, these are rare. These are direct messages. How seriously are they being received? Yeah, Hoda, that's exactly right. These are rare. These are direct. And today, for the second day in a row, we heard very similar comments. So Beijing's new foreign minister doubling down, warning the U.S. and China are hurtling towards what he calls direct confrontation and conflict. Now, fiery comments from Foreign Minister Chin Gong underline the deepening tension between, of course, the two world's biggest economies. This echoed sharp comments from China's leader Xi Jinping yesterday, blaming Washington for these deteriorating relationships. Now, speaking in a legislative session. It was according and reported by China State TV. She accused Washington of trying to fence China in. Take a look at what exactly he said. He said Western countries led by the United States have implemented all-round containment, encirclement, and suppression of China, which has brought unprecedented severe challenges to our country's development. Now, Hoda, as you mentioned, these are strong, rare words from China's leader. Of course, all of this comes as Beijing strongly denies the U.S. allegation that it is considering giving Moscow lethal aid to use in the war in Ukraine. Yeah. And well, you brought that up right there, the war in Ukraine. This is all happening against that backdrop. Give us the latest on the fighting there. That's exactly right. That is a backdrop that we cannot ignore. And of course, from the foreign minister, China's foreign minister, again, he did say that the China-Russia relationship does not pose a threat as far as what's happening on the ground in Ukraine. According to Ukrainian armed forces, the Russian military has launched more than 50 airstrikes and at least five missile strikes just today. The focus for the Ukrainians remains on that eastern city of Bakhmut. Now, the UK Ministry of Defense says Ukrainian forces have stabilized their defensive line there. Hoda, the other head that we are monitoring, that we are watching for, is any indication that she will visit Moscow to meet with President Putin. No word yet on if 
or when that might happen. Hoda. All right. Molly Hunter for us on that story. Molly, thanks. Last night, Fox News host Tucker Carlson aired newly released video from the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. The footage was provided exclusively to Carlson by Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Carlson attempting to downplay the violence by showing video of people calmly walking around the Capitol. And Tucker was trying to persuade his viewers that while there were some bad apples, most of those there were peaceful. He called them sightseers. Other video that Carlson did not air shows police and rioters engaged in hours of violent combat. More than 100 officers were injured during the attack. In response, Congressman Benny G. Thompson, the former chairman of the January 6th committee, released a statement saying Speaker McCarthy, quote, decided it was more important to give into a Fox host who spews lies and propaganda than to protect the Capitol and the police, members and staff that serve in it. Also this morning, with new storm threats developing, there is added urgency to reach more California residents who are trapped in their homes after record snowfall. Emergency teams, now they're going door to door to rescue people who are stranded. We're going to get to Dylan's forecast in just a minute. But first, NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer joins us from California. Good morning, Miguel. Hoda, good morning. This home, this neighborhood is pretty symbolic of what we're seeing in the mountains just a few hours outside of Los Angeles. There's actually several cars buried behind me. You can barely make out one. The front lawn out here, just mounds of snow. And the roof here at this home is actually in jeopardy because it's so heavy from all of the snowfall. The man who lives here finally got power and food, but it's going to take him days to dig out. This morning, this is the race to reach the snowbound in Southern California. Emergency teams digging out trapped residents in the San Bernardino Mountains, just 80 miles east of L.A. Homes and cars submerged in snowdrifts more than nine feet tall. Feels like an apocalyptic movie. In the last two weeks alone, over 7 million cubic yards of snow cleared from state highways, the equivalent of more than 2,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools. But many side roads here are still undrivable. Without us volunteers, there's no telling how many dead bodies would be recovering. Middle school teacher Steve Gaskell serving as a literal lifeline, scaling the snow to deliver food and medications to stranded residents like Marissa Cupsick, including insulin for her uncle. It's just scary not being able to get out. How desperate did you need these supplies, including that insulin? Oh, it's a matter of life or death for my uncle. Pregnant mom Stephanie Gillis and her husband David were trapped in their home when she went into labor, road closures preventing their midwives from arriving in time. That's when things started to get a little stressful for me. Luckily, Stephanie gave birth to a healthy baby girl, Audrey, without complications. Meantime, Northern California also facing dangerous conditions. Heavy snow in the Sierra Nevada collapsing roofs and making travel treacherous. Yosemite National Park and over a dozen state parks closed indefinitely as Californians come together to help brave this historic winter wallow. The good news across this region, most of the major roads have now been plowed. The problem is all of the side roads and driveways like this 
look like this. This Corvette is actually encompassed and encased around a block of ice. Now, the man who lives here says he'll be able to get this car out likely in a few weeks. The big concern now is those frigid temperatures. People who don't have heat are in a dire situation. Mm. Hoda? Miguel Almaguer for us there reporting from California. Miguel, thanks. Yeah, without heat, without medicines that are needed. Let's check in with Dylan and get the forecast this morning. Hi. Good morning, guys. Yeah, and the next round of snow at least will impact central and northern California, so a little north of where Miguel is right now. But you can see we do have winter weather advisories and winter storm warnings in effect. More moisture moving on shore. Mostly snow for the higher elevations at this point. And it will continue to accumulate as we wait for the next storm system to make its way on shore. So through Thursday for this first storm, we could see about one to two feet of snow up across Mount Shasta in the Sierra Mountain Range. A little bit higher in elevation, we could end up with about one to three feet of snow. We call it an atmospheric river because basically it's this onshore flow of water. It kind of follows Follows this path along this cold front, and it brings all of that rain and the mountain snow on shore. So with the next storm system expected to come in Friday into Saturday, that's going to only enhance the amount of rain and snow that we're seeing in that area. We could end up, though, with about two to six inches of rainfall. So when you factor in the fact that the snow is going to melt in the higher elevations and then combine with that heavy rain, that could lead to a major flooding concern, also the runoff, and also uh, just the fact that avalanches and, and mudslides are possible, too. So this is going to be a big storm system that's going to impact California as we get later into the week with, again, two to six inches of rain and also the possibility of feet of snow. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, Dylan. thank you. Still ahead this morning, the FAA calling an emergency summit in the wake of a series of air scares from extreme turbulence to bird strikes. We're going to talk to Miracle on the Hudson hero pilot Sully Sullenberger, what he says needs to be done to keep passengers safe. Plus an inside look at what spring break hotspots are doing to get ready for massive crowds and also guard against unruly spring break behavior. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed in the sport in the sport for 1000 chucker gagbit mallet a lot of money hannah What is roulette? No. Caleb. What is horse racing? No. Hmm. That would be polo. Hannah. In the sport for 800. Penalty killing plus minus the five hole, the biscuit. That's what everyone's chasing. That's hockey. 
in the sport for six Oh, my gosh. So that just go, it went on and on. Guys, that category wasn't potent potables. No, it wasn't. Sports. Not exactly the finest hour for this particular set of Jeopardy you, contestants. I didn't know. I didn't know any I of them the either. I think the biscuit I kind of knew was hockey, but I, I mean, don't know why. It's hilarious. How. Like, they're so smart. In sports, it's like, yeah. what? Why would we waste our time on this? <sighs> yeah, exactly. Too much. Uh, Craig's out this yeah. morning. He'll be back tomorrow. We begin this half hour with a series of aviation uh, emergencies. they got a lot of travelers on edge as we head into the spring break season. Yeah. Earlier, we mentioned that there was this attack on the flight attendant. Well, there have been engine fires. There have been bird strikes, severe turbulence, runway close calls as well. And now the FAA is saying it's time for a safety summit. They've set it for next week. We're going to go deep and talk about this rise in alarming incidents with Captain Sully Sullenberger in just a moment. But first, NBC's Tom Costello joins us with more details. Tom, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Let's reiterate this. Uh, 2023, we are not off to a good start as it relates to aviation safety. We've now had six runway close calls. We'll get to the most recent in just a minute. We've had that midair turbulence you discussed with injuries. One person killed. We've also had that engine explosion because of a bird strike, an emergency landing in Cuba. And now the FAA is holding this emergency summit next week to drill down on aviation safety nationwide. After months of high-profile close calls, the bird strike and engine fire on that Southwest flight over Cuba has put a lot of people on edge. People were screaming, not knowing what to do, and we kept trying to breathe, and it was filling up with more smoke. Thankfully, the plane landed safely back in Havana. If you lose an engine, if you lose a computer system, you've got multiple fail-safes, right? Absolutely. I mean, you've got typically two to three different systems to back each other up. For each system? For each system. Mark Weiss is a former American Airlines captain. The airplanes are certified to fly on one engine. On one engine? On one engine. So that's not the issue. The emergency landing in Cuba followed two cases of severe in-flight turbulence. Seven injured last Thursday, a Lufthansa flight forced to divert to Washington, D.C. While on Friday, 55-year-old Dana Hyde killed in a private jet that hit severe turbulence, too. And multiple close calls on the nation's runways this year, including Burbank, California. You up the runway yet? We're going around. Austin, Texas. FedEx is on the go. New York's JFK. Delta 1943, cancel takeoff clearance. And Honolulu. And that United Jumbo Jet that went into a steep nosedive off Hawaii in December, coming within 800 feet of slamming into the ocean. Now the FAA chief, himself a veteran pilot, is convening a nationwide safety summit next week. Pilots, controllers, airlines, unions, and regulators. I want to hear from the participants about what they are seeing in their own operations. And more important, I want specific ideas about how to enhance our already robust safety net with concrete actions. The pressing question, are these a string of coincidences or is there an ongoing safety issue that needs to be addressed now? NTSB Chief Jennifer Hammondy. We really need to focus on you know, what's going on in the aviation system. Let's take a pause. Let's do a safety stand down. And let's figure out what are we missing here. All right. We mentioned that sixth runway incursion or close call. This one happened in Sarasota back in February. Just learning about it. Two commercial flights. One of them cleared to take off. Another one cleared to land on that same runway. 
The NTSB believes this could have been an, an ATC, air traffic control error. Savannah. All right, Tom, thank you. That sets us up for more perspective on the state of airline safety. We turn to a man who knows a lot about it. Retired U.S. Airways pilot Captain Chesley Sully Sullenberger pulled off the miracle on the Hudson in 2009, successfully landing in the freezing New York River after losing both engines to a bird strike and everyone on board survived. Sullenberger now works as an aviation safety expert, has years of experience. And Captain Sullenberger, you know, we just laid out all those incidents. They're not related. They're, um, but do you see a threat? Do you see a threat that concerns you? They are the canaries in the coal mine, and they should concern us. They're indications that as, as good as a job as we've done in this complex system, there's always improvements that can be made, and we still have work to do. Uh, two things that stand out for me right now that are long-term issues but we need to work on is the FAA and our other critically important infrastructure needs to be able to get from Congress predictable uh, long-term multi-year funding. Uh, so that we're not doing band-aids where we take a long-term approach. And we need to have uh, FAA administrators who are confirmed and not a series of acting administrators. Those two things alone in the long term would do a lot to uh, destabilize the system. Do you see a connection to the pandemic and the fact that there were people, I mean, pilots were flying less just by by definition? Yes, I do. I we uh, we lost a lot of our flying, and the recovery from COVID has been more rapid than many expected. So we've been caught short in in many important ways, and in, and in staffing, uh, the the staffing issue would again benefit from uh, secure multi-year funding so that we could anticipate, we could plan, we could uh, recruit hire and train air traffic controllers, maintenance technicians and others, and get them in place before we need them and not be playing catch up. Yeah, I mean, as mentioned, each of these incidents are different. They have their own set of facts, but six runway close calls just this year. What do you make of that? Uh, again, it's a reminder of, of, in spite of how safe the system is, what's really at stake and how critically important it is that we have in place the human technology system in which each can do their part to back each other up, to be resilient, reliable, and redundant, to trap these mistakes and correct them before they can lead to harm. We have not had a fatal commercial airline crash in this country since 2009. Thank God for that. Do you think there is a sense of complacency that sets in when, when air travel has been, thankfully, so safe? Yes, we become the victims of our own success. We must keep reminding ourselves on literally a daily basis that even though air travel has become ultra safe and routine, what we're really doing is pushing a tube filled with people through the upper atmosphere seven or eight miles above the earth at 80% of the speed of sound in a hostile environment with outside air temperatures to minus 70 and air pressure one quarter that at the surface. And we must return it safely to the surface every time. Wow. When you put it that way, it certainly gives perspective and we have to respect what we're doing there. Captain Sullenberger, always good to get your perspective. Thank you. 
Good to be with you. All right, coming up, we've got new. That was an interesting conversation, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it was good to go so a little deeper yeah. by him. Wow. Coming up, we've got new numbers out this morning, shedding light on the alarming teacher shortage from coast to coast and what some schools are doing to fill those vacancies. But first, Sam Brock's in Florida, where businesses and police are gearing up for those big spring break crowds. Hey, Sam. Yeah, Hoda, Savannah, take it all in. What is that? Spring break is officially here. We're talking, guys, about ramped up police presence, officers on ATVs and horseback, cell phones as a tool to figure out exactly how many people are down here, and weekend programming, all the tools right now that are being used by cities across Florida's coastlines to keep people safe. That story coming up next. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Smarted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Chris Pine to talk about a career that has taken him from Star Trek to Wonder Woman, and now the new film he wrote, directed, and stars in called Pool Man. You can get our conversation for free wherever you download your podcasts. We're back 742 this morning on In Depth Today. We are focusing on spring break. It's one of the biggest mm-hmm. and busiest travel seasons of the year, of course. And over the next few weeks, hot spots like Florida are bracing, bracing for a crush of visitors. <laughs> It'll be big officials like official cities like Miami Beach, Fort Lauderdale are now saying they're ready to make sure crowds do not get out of hand. NBC's Sam Brocky joins us now from Cocoa Beach. Hey, Sam. Hi, Hoda, Savannah. Good morning. We have certainly seen examples of that in the past. And look, as spring break season officially, or I guess unofficially, kicked off last Friday, it lasts about a month, well into April. I'm at the historic Westgate Cocoa Beach Pier. Over my shoulder, you can just picture the number of people that are going to be out here eating, drinking, listening to live music. Officials here say they have ramped up police presence, but it is further down the coastline right now that's under the microscope. That, of course, being Miami Beach, which is expecting guys up to 50,000 people a day during this heightened period. Period. The mayor of Miami Beach saying there will be a zero tolerance for any kind of violence. In Miami Beach, the calm before the spring break storm. I wanted to catch it before spring break um, so I could just have a nice quiet time. Florida is the nation's top spring break destination this year, according to AAA, thanks to the Sunshine State's theme parks, cruise ship ports, and over 800 miles of coastline. This is the place to be. Everyone comes down here to party, to relax, to experience the beach. But with that popularity comes some challenges. Miami Beach Mayor Dan Gelber wants visitors to enjoy the vacation haven, but avoid a repeat of the past two years. What is the curfew right now? We don't have a curfew. But that could change. It could change if, if, if circumstances require us to do something to keep people safe. In 2022, local officials forced to declare a state of emergency, including a midnight curfew after unruly behavior and several shootings plagued the city during spring break. Don't come here and do stupid things or criminal things because it's going to be bad for you and bad for us. Just a 30-minute train ride away in Fort Lauderdale. We all know, spring break, it's going to be crazy. 
Authorities reminding spring breakers alcohol is banned from public beaches through April 2nd, along with coolers, tents, and loud music. Unfortunately, this time of year, uh, we, we see uh, a lot of injuries uh, that are alcohol-related. At the nation's airports, the TSA is anticipating an upward trend in travel volume this spring break, possibly exceeding pre-pandemic levels. Tampa's airport expecting a record number of travelers. I like to refer to spring break as the Super Bowl for the airport. In the Orlando area, officials expect more than 7 million to fly in and out over that time frame. In Cocoa Beach, it's already lively on an early March Monday. Just in terms of the economic vitality of, of this particular city, though, how important is spring break? Very important. It's one of the busiest times of the year for Cocoa Beach. Spring breakers dreaming of sunshine being urged to pack some common sense. All right, Sam, uh, we have a question for you collectively. So what if you want to go to spring break, but you don't want anything to do with those rowdy crowds? You want to avoid, you want to quiet, peaceful break. What should you do? Yeah, I would not go to Florida, first of all. But let's assume for a second that you definitely do want to go to Florida. Like, there's a few tips, guys, you definitely want to keep in mind. Certainly, to maintain your sanity on the way down there, do yourself a favor and make sure you sign up for either TSA PreCheck or Clear. If you've been to the airport during these peak times, you see the difference in the lines. Clear can basically be done on the spot. As far as TSA PreCheck is concerned, typically they say it takes three to five days to process those applications. It can take up to 60 days. Hopefully, it's shorter for you. You're going to want to call the hotel as you're checking in or before hopefully and make sure you're not near an elevator because that is generally where people tend to congregate it can be louder as well and then as far as what's going on in your local community check for programmed events miami beach is doing a great job of this guys which is to say they have carnival or concerts every single weekend during spring break to make sure that folks have something to do and are staying out of trouble or at least a little bit of trouble, as much as can reasonably be expected. <laughs> yeah. All, right, All right, we got it, Sam. Thank you. You know, we weren't always grandmas. Like, we, we had our day at Senior we Frogs. I, I mean, the whole no, thing, oh, Jell-O Frogs. I mean, it happened, but that was a long time yeah. ago. Okay, How many people too. can you squeeze into one? Yeah, remember? Oh, my gosh, yes. I remember. Those were the days. Yeah. But at least we're talking about spring, yes. right? I mean, yeah. yesterday it was 51 degrees in New York City. That's not too bad, although it is going to feel a lot colder today, not just because of the temperature, but the wind is also going to be much colder, too. So temperatures this afternoon uh, will be only up to about 27 degrees in Binghamton, Albany 34 degrees, Boston's 39, 41 in New York City. And we do have some cooler air that's going to be in place for the next storm system as it moves eastward. So across the Dakotas, as we go into tonight and tomorrow, we are going to see a little bit of light snow. This stalled front could also produce some stronger storms down through Oklahoma into Arkansas, too, where we could see heavy rain. And as the ground gets more and more saturated as we go through this week, flooding could also be an issue. We're forecasting I'd say about widespread one to three inches of rain, but some areas could get closer to four or five inches of rain. Again, that could lead to the threat of some flooding. So just keep that in mind tonight and uh, pretty much the rest of uh, tomorrow and perhaps even towards the end of the week. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dilly, Dilly, you came over to the other side. What are you doing? I like to keep you getting around these days. Now I'm over here. (laughs) Coming up, guys, Jimmy Fallon is here. He's going to stop by to talk about the return of That's My Jam, his fun variety show. Plus, we'll talk about his passion for music. And he's got a very creative way he enjoys burgers and fries. We gotta try it. We have to try it. Good. Real good. All right. But first on the boost, how'd you like to find this mess? The adorable reason behind all of those broken eggs. It happens right after this. (laughs) 
We're back. Oh, look at Carson. Oh. Just, uh, we just love when you're excited. Just somehow you just better. sit here and it's better. All right, you're here for the boost. And as all parents know, a child's imagination and genuine curiosity can be a very beautiful thing or, in some cases, a really messy situation. Hey, Mika, what did you do? What's that? Eggs. Hey, what'd you do to the eggs? Oh, they're hatching. Oh, my God. They sure do look happy. Yes. There's no chicken there. No, there is definitely no chickens there. Oh, uh, chickens. A lot of yoga. And with the cost of eggs these days, it's probably a little expensive. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, she, at least she had fun. Yeah. yeah. And the mom handled it. Yeah, How about did. that? Hey, sweetie, what you Oh, do? mom was like real zen. Yes, yes calm. No shrieking. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, there's that. There goes breakfast. Guys, coming up on Popstars, big news from the world of podcasting, including something new for Dateline fans. Also, Michelle Obama welcoming a very, very special first guest. Cool. And then we're going to catch up with Jamie Lee Curtis live, how she's feeling about her first Oscars nominee and her headline making decision to skip a very exclusive dinner of all Oscar nominees because it was past her bedtime. <laughs> 